All right, guys. Welcome to another episode of Coffee is for Closers. Matt is currently, where is he? He's in America. He's at ClickFunnels. He is at ClickFunnels. Um, as you're aware, there's a million dollar award. Uh-huh. He's there to collect the $25 million award. $25 million from one funnel. Yeah, which is like 25 of the regular ones. So anyone that gets one of those million dollar awards, just know it's 25% better. <laughs> but so it is, it's just me and James today. Uh, Boosh, run the intro. Ex-Special Forces Sniper turned entrepreneur. I've scaled numerous businesses to eight figures. My name is Matt Ryder. This is my podcast and I'm telling you to put that coffee down. down. And we're back. Hey, so it's been a while since me and you have been in this room and spoken. Um, yeah, it has. And even longer still since it was just you and Matt. But a lot's been changing in the business. A lot has like, it, it's been a huge period of growth. Yep. And what I wanted to talk to you about was like, obviously it started just you and Matt mm-hmm. and like your role over time and how that's changed and what that experience has been like for you. So like hit me with how did it all start? Like, cause Matt came to you and was like, Hey, I need a, I need help. And you said yes, but I'll be your partner and not going to work for you. Right. Yeah. I think it was, um, it was a really interesting series of events. Um, we kind of started this business. I was working at somewhere else at the period of time and was kind of just doing some stuff on the side. Then we realized that, you know what, this might have a bit of potential. Mm -hmm. Then I think Matt, one stage he was just on his knees. Um, (laughs) but yeah, Matt, um, essentially like begged and out of pure desperation and acknowledgement for some real leadership and (laughs) skill set with someone that knows what they're talking about. Uh, eventually sold me into uh, coming to, to work for him. Okay. He wanted me to work for him, but it just is no way I could do that consistently and without having a large say in things and don't really want to, to work for someone. So the idea was, all right, look, if we're going to uh, commit to doing things and we'll, we'll do it as business partners, Matt's very, very good at a, a lot of things and he has a very strong skill set in those. I've also got a very strong skill set in some other things that he's not so good at. And he's very good at things that I'm not so good at. So kind of like a nice little merger, I guess, of like ideas and the way that I look at aspects is very different to the way that he looks at aspects and again, vice versa. So having multiple multiple different ways mm-hmm. allows us to sort of sum up a situation better. Mm-hmm. Whereas I look at things from more of a risk management as opposed to a let's go take on as much risk. Now, mm-hmm. I love risk. I'm all for risk. Uh my tolerance for risk is just not as high. And it, it probably keeps us a little bit safer in the way that we go about things in terms of how aggressive we want to go. It's mm-hmm. like, let's, let's bring it down a little. So kind of having that, um, that relationship kind of worked really, really well to, to make it work long term. And mm-hmm. I always kind of wanted to, the, the whole idea is, um, at least from my perspective, is you go make us money. I'll make sure we keep it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, when you guys started out, was there a, a meeting of, like, this is the division of labor and this is how we're going to do things? Or was it fairly organic in that it just kind of went the way that it went? Yeah, it's it's been, been really organic, for mm-hmm. sure. Like, my role has shifted uh, significantly many, many different times. And um, part of that being is... Uh, for me, I like to feel like I've worked Matt out pretty well mm-hmm. in the way that he works best. Mm-hmm. Understanding that 
it's just like, you know what, you just go do what you do best. It's going to be the best thing for us. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think I'm pretty good at some of the things that he does, but also I'll give up those responsibilities knowing that he enjoys them okay. and he's going to do a really, really good job, pr- probably better at, at most of those things. And it makes sense. It's like, well, we can either just sit there and do the same thing, but it doesn't, you know, is that productive? Yeah. So my, my kind of uh, thought process around things is like, okay, well, recognize what people are really good at and put them in the position to do that. Mm-hmm. And that happens with, with, with Matt. It happens with a lot of our other guys. It's like, hey, for instance, the podcast, mm-hmm. you're definitely better at better <laughs> at it than me. You should be doing it. <laughs> like I have other things to do with my time that are probably more productive for us than mm-hmm. sitting, filming and doing that, that type of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. There's, and just having people in positions to do that. Like we've got guys um, that are far more experienced than some of the business things than either of us are. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, well, you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. You'll also do your main job, but we will take your advice on everything that you say here because it it's obviously worthwhile. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of like, uh, particularly early on, sort of realized like, okay, well, these are things that are already covered. I'm going to go work on this stuff because that needs to happen. And ideally, kind of use as a stepping stone. Mm. Build out a system, build out a foundation, try and figure out how that means and what this aspect of the business needs to be, then hire a specialist once it's at a level that someone can come in and take over. Mm. I.e., like, we've, we've done that with Ben, we've done that with Berlin, we've done that with many things. And now it's at the point where we're a, a much bigger company, so we're going to learn a whole new set of skills, nail that, get it to a point at which for our business, it uh, it doesn't need a specialist yet. So mm-hmm. like a generalist can kind of come in and take that role, do it to a point where it's going to be, we get to a level of growth where it's like, okay, we need a specialist there now um, because those specialists are very expensive mm. and it's finding the right person for that role that has the level of understanding on the direction of the business and, and what we already have in place. There needs to be a platform set, i.e. like... I mean, as an example for a, um, a CFO, right? A very, very specific role, right? You're never going to get a good CFO to come into your business if there's no platform set. Mm-hmm. They've got nothing to work off. And not that we're hiring a CFO, but, you know, the same as a, a CMO, a operations manager. There needs to be some level of consistency and workability and, and systemization for a role to be enticing for them to come in and fulfill. I don't know if I just went on a tangent from your question. No, 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 it makes sense. Uh, Something I want to tease out about what you're just saying then is like when you talk about growth and fulfilling those like key positions and bringing experts into that, I think my sort of idea what I want to talk to you about is like the growth of the company and and experiencing that in that it's you and Matt and then Marco, right? Mm. And now it's like 160 people. Mm -hmm. And and I think to people who run uh, 160 people, company usually ran a 20 person company and then a 40 person company and and you have gone in two years from being a two person company to a 160 person company and your job as it appears to me is like you're kind of the the glue in the background that's actually holding all these component pieces together matt's creating those pieces and you know like the outward facing bringing people in Mm -hmm. but then as he continues pushing forward you're the machine behind that's actually keeping things going Mm. and I want to sort of like what's that experience been like for you sort of at a personal level going from like you can't have imagined you would be in the position that you're in two years ago right even if you knew there was going to be big growth in the company 
like at a personal level to now find yourself with 160 employees and, and thinking like, oh shit, I manage all these people. I have to stay yeah. on top of all of yeah. this. It's, uh, it's interesting. It's weird. You can see how people like change mm. when they get into positions of, of things like that, both in, in, in good ways and in, in bad ways. It's, you know, you so your, your like personal growth and the experience of that in that the, the huge growth of the company, but then like your personal experience mm. in your role change. Like, you know, how have you prepared yourself or, or what happened along the way that you were like, was there ever a moment where you went like, oh, I have a really different role now to what I had six months ago? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's, um, it's interesting. You don't kind of prepare for it. And, uh, th- that journey, like it, it's for me, there's been, um, periods of going through a place what the fuck is happening? Mm-hmm. I have no idea what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh yeah, all of a sudden I got a couple of things come together. It's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. So you kind of go through like a roller coaster of being super confident in what you're doing, then not, then confident and not because you're going into like, for instance, the role that I've kind of doing now is a lot of getting our risk mitigation, getting all of our legal structures and stuff set up uh, with zero experience in that whatsoever. Mm. That's a, it's a big, um, responsibility considering the the impact like you fuck that up there's nothing left mm-hmm. you know so getting some of those things it's going into that there is a bit of like oh not sure if what the structure should be here and there's but then you go through it and you kind of build it and it gets to a point you're like oh that was actually not that difficult like i could probably do this for a job if i wanted to but <laughs> not overly fun yeah <laughs> you know yeah. it's there's a lot of reading documents and, and going back and discussing with lawyers and accountants that was not overly fun but but necessary so i've kind of looked at it always from the perspective of what what's the best thing for the the team mm-hmm. you know and what's the best thing that's going to drive us forward or at least lead to a, a heavy stability mm-hmm. you know and uh it's like ah, okay just just do that that's mm-hmm. what it has to be and um i, I don't really mind that i think it's, it's pretty good like i i think like a, a generalist role is um there needs to be someone like that always in any major company and there's a couple of roles that that transitions to like in larger corporate roles i think one of them is i think the name of a role is a general counsel or there's just operations or whatever the the types of roles are but you kind of wear a few different hats at Mm -hmm. any given given point um but in terms of preparation for it there's kind of not really any yeah you get to a point where it's like oh okay well we've grown to this level or we have X, Y, Z in place already. And then you realize that, okay, we've got this problem. How does that problem get solved? Mm. It's like, okay, well, we're going to need this now. And those are problems that you don't foresee until they kind of happen. And those problems are kind of growing pains from a a growth perspective. Mm -hmm. And an example of that would be like, once you get to that amount of people, you need a, a HR department. Yeah. Right. I thought HR was just um, what happens when you slap someone on the arm <laughs> or you tell a joke so good that yeah, you yeah. need to speak to someone. Yeah, you get sent to see the principal. Yeah, it's like, no, that's not actually what it is. There's more to it. It's about actually managing people, making sure they have what they need. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. When you have that many people, you need some systems and structures like that in place to be able to manage so many people. Yeah. Um, six months ago we wouldn't have known that that would be something needed in the future Mm. um we're lucky now we've got people advising us and 
some of these problems that you're going to run into in the future. But you kind of look at them and go, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And six months later, that happens. Like, oh, yeah, it was absolutely right. We needed yeah, it all along. They've been here before. So in terms of preparation, no, absolutely not. Because we, uh, neither of us have ever been in a, a position um, where that level of growth has occurred, nor been in an organization of a similar size, mm. at least in, I mean, at least in the capacity that we're in right now. Sure, yeah. it could have been an employee or... Yeah, in yeah. the army or whatnot, yeah. but that's you're sitting there looking at it from a soldier perspective, not from yeah, the, totally. the general or whatever. So, because of that, you don't really have any um, expectation as to what the next problem is that you're going to need to solve. Yeah, until that problem comes up, and you're like, oh, okay, well, we're going to need this now. We're going to mm-hmm. need this now. We're going to need this now. Yeah, and I think an interesting sort of extra layer to that challenge, especially the legal side is like the multinational sort of nature of the business that you're not just dealing with like one set of state and national legislation. You're dealing with many Mm. across multiple countries and different states within those countries Mm -hmm. and dealing with different tax uh, issues across all of that. I suppose that's the, the function of bringing in those experts, right? Like, cause there's just no way that you or anyone else really could be across all of those nope. things. Um, that's the, the function of bringing in experts and you're really probably like your role then is probably the management of those experts, right? Yeah. 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 Well, it's, it's also like bringing in those experts. They don't necessarily work for you. Some might, but they could just be consultants. Mm-hmm. And like an example around this is, uh, for us, uh, our cold calling department, um, We'll just sit there, we'll call leads. Apparently that there's actually laws from the some certain act in the US that you're never allowed to call someone if they've asked you not to call them again. Mm-hmm. Like that could be, mm-hmm. they could press charges or something if they wanted to. The likelihood of it happening is, is not high. Sure. So when you have a discussion with one of those consultants, they'll tell you about X, Y, Z. And you're like, oh, okay, well, we do that. <laughs> you know, Not that we call people that ask not to be called but there's yeah. certain things that you're just not aware of it's like oh, i didn't know that was a problem yeah it's like with, with your your dog when you train the dog they're like ah oh, sorry sorry dad didn't know i wasn't allowed yeah. to dig a hole exactly and i think that's the issue of mm. uh certainly in business growth like that is that you don't know what you don't know exactly right yeah. and and i think uh certainly you could easily get yourself into trouble quite mm. sort of un mm. unknowingly and quite innocently and you know unfortunately ignorance is very often not a very good defense right like oh i didn't know right or you should have well i mean it's funny because sometimes it is a lot of um when when you have like director responsibilities the way that a lot of it is governed is based on intent okay right so let's just say you make have an issue with the ato or the um that's Mm -hmm. australian tax office if you've done something that is like they'll look at and go hey you're not allowed to do this typically they will give benefit of the doubt. They'll have a discussion with you as like why this happened. And if it was the fact that it was just, uh, unless it's like smaller things, right? Obviously it's something major, like oh, I funded all this money through here to yeah, do yeah. X, Y, Z. Uh, they'll look at it based on intent. Really? Yeah. And they'll say, oh, okay. They'll look at you and go, oh no, you're just an idiot. Yeah. Right. You clearly like this wasn't done for the purpose of trying to do that. You've mm-hmm. done, you've shown clear rationale as to why you made those decisions like we will assume that that i was done with that intent so sometimes there is a pretty good leeway if you do make some of those issues because i think people understand 
that it's easy to make some mistakes like yeah. that because you don't know. But like as an example with that cold call thing, with that advice, we would then go and have to create a whole bunch of SOPs, mm-hmm. um, systems for the sales guys as to, hey, once this happens, we've got to rebuild the CRM so that if someone does this, we mark it as a certain thing. It pushes them out the list so they're not to be dialed again mm-hmm. so that we don't accidentally make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And in that instance, if someone was to assess, like let's just say someone wanted to press charges because someone's made a complaint that we're calling all these people, it, you know, not that it would happen. Well, we could just show, hey, look, we've created this SOP. XYZ happens. We show that you know our intent is to not call these people because we've put this system in place. They'll probably say, oh, well, you've called these three people that have asked not to. That's obviously a mistake. You've taken the intention to make yep. sure that doesn't happen. Shit happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And then they would be like, ah, look, here's just a little fine. Right. Know? Yeah, it's not like yeah. you're getting off scot-free, but they're yeah. not going to gonna 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 go pull you to the wall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think, mate, one of the things that I wanted to sort of discuss with you sort of to get a little bit more personal in it is like your personal journey within the last couple of years. Mm. And, you know, we speak about like, you know, how prepared could you be business-wise and sort of knowledge-wise in that way but have you ever had a moment of reflection because you know like i I suppose something we overlook here is how this is an extremely fast growing company Mm. um maybe the fastest growing company in australia yeah Yeah. and and like from organic growth without seed funding or whatever right like you've actually made the money to grow rather than been given the money to grow we're probably the fastest growing company in australia yeah it's um so the AFR, the Australian Financial Review, each year they do a, a thing on the fastest growing companies that are under certain years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I put in the application maybe a month ago for that. I calculated based off previous years, year's winners. There's a couple of outliers in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had, I think, based on the numbers, it was like a 460% growth over that, that mm-hmm. three-year period, which uh, last year's winner was about 760, Okay, uh, which is insane you know uh, they didn't they grew from a smaller portion in that first year right which always reflects better but second third fourth fifth sixth seventh they were all between 230 and okay and 210 so if there's no outlier we'd, we'd be pretty top I'm, I'm confident we'll be in the top three and hopefully we we win um that's great we also had to have, make a serious decision as to whether we would enter that or not Mm -hmm. Um, because it seems like a great idea but when you analyze it is it yeah because one all of a sudden it puts you on the radar yeah the high chance is that the ato goes oh wow this company has three times as much growth as the the next company maybe we should audit them Mm -hmm. you know it becomes a trigger event for for that it also uh, makes awareness to any competitors and then big people with larger companies they will start seeing that and they go oh well we want to know what they're doing you get a higher risk of people coming and copying your work, taking mm-hmm. the business model, seeing all those things. So it's a very conservative uh, mm-hmm. understanding as to whether you decide to say yes or no to, to applying for something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's super interesting. There's a lot more to it than just winning an award. So let's tease that out a little bit. Uh-huh. You're going to get audited. No biggie. Yeah. Because everything's in place. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Uh, you bring yourself above the detection threshold of competitors. Mm-hmm. I'd say we've probably already done that pretty yeah. significantly, right? Pretty loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I think like people attempting to replicate the business. I, I just, I think that I can't imagine how that would go down. I can't imagine um, like what's happened here is such a unique set of circumstances yeah. that I, I don't know how anyone would 
I mean, it's not like you hide anything anyway, right? Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. all out in the open. We do this podcast every week and talk about the ins and outs of the business. Yes. We make a YouTube video with Matt every week talking about the successes and failures of, of uh, the journey and mm-hmm. growth and that kind of stuff. So like there's kind of nothing to hide anyway, right? So that's the the potential list of cons. We're kind of like, well, yeah. we're doing that to ourselves anyway uh, and, and accepting that risk day to day. What's the pros of that? Like, aside from the it makes you feel good, the acknowledgement of it. Yeah. What 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 do you get from it? Well, then there's the um, the the award on the wall that gives a bit of um, the clout. Not necessarily the clout, but um, the credibility, mm-hmm. right? So with that credibility, it means that we're able to back up the claims that we're pretty good at what we do. Uh, having those things, i.e., like the twenty five million dollar award, uh, proves that. Mm-hmm. Um, it it reduces sales resistance and prospects that maybe want to do consulting with us, mm-hmm. right? Because you can't get to that level with well being shit at what you do. It just mm-hmm. it doesn't happen. You know, you can't become the best dog trainer in the world if you you can't get the dog to sit. Yeah. Like you, so you so you're kind it. of opening up. So by getting that award or or even applying for it, acknowledging that the growth mm-hmm. is happening in that way, you're sort of uh, giving a layer of credibility to the not what we're doing but are going to do maybe yep. right like it's sort of showing like hey this is the trajectory we're on get on board if you want to mm-hmm. yeah. yeah like uh, for instance if um if i was to go to like a large private equity or venture capital firm and said hey we want we've uh, we've grown this this le- level i want to be able to get to here mm-hmm. you know our track record shows that we're able to execute an xyz mm-hmm. they're far more confident to be able to give us money if something like that ever if ever we did want to, right? Sure. Uh, but also, the, the second major thing is the exposure um, to a list of people outside of our current clientele. Okay. So quite now, we're pretty heavily involved in uh, coaching, consulting, and mm-hmm. whatnot. Uh, but we are trying to take on more consulting companies for, for larger corporations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we do have some. Uh, with that, like, there's a lot of heavy NDAs that those companies don't yeah. want to, to know. But the people that read that those magazines are the people that are in you know, corporate organizations that have the larger companies where we can go to and get larger high-ticket items because they've got massive teams. Mm. We can go in and solve those problems at a larger level. Having that li- little bit of credibility and exposure uh, to those audience just yeah. brings us leads from uh, leads in which our typical marketing that we have now uh, – doesn't doesn't go after. I feel like that's one of the really super interesting things about those very lucrative, high paying consulting deals. Because mm. when you sign that NDA, obviously it's awesome. You make the money. You you, you don't get to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, you can't. It's, so it's really hard to sort of say, "Hey, this is how good we are at mm. doing this kind of thing," because we can't even tell you about what we did. Yeah, uh, because yep. we're under an NDA for this company, and so you can see success of a. There's a great big company that's even more successful now because of what we did for them, mm-hmm. but we can't go into any detail about what we did. And so marketing for that is tricky. Yeah. Um, and trying to position yourself as as a company that can do that is tricky. It kind of reminds me of like, you know, when you deal with sort of what we call other government agencies, so like three-letter agencies in, the, in defense, once you get one contract with them, 
you get heaps because they can't go to tender. They can't, like, if they need someone to do something, they can't put an ad in the paper and say, <laughs> and say we need it. We're a super secret government agency and we, we, need, this. we need this done. Yeah. So they often, what they do is once you're in, then they say, like, oh, can you provide this? And even if you can't, you go, yes. And, and then you subcontract that to someone else and you can advertise it, but you can't say who it's for, yeah. right? So it's a, one of those things that uh, – I see what you mean in that it opens up doors to those bigger level consulting deals that makes people look at you rather than you being able to go to those people and saying like, hey, we can provide you this. You need those people looking and saying, what can you provide to us? And mm. and by getting those awards and proving that, that clout, that credibility puts you on the list of companies that they're going to look at. Yeah. Well, it's, it's also if things start to work different in, in those arenas, like we, we don't need to, to advertise, typically it's going to happen if you do an excellent job. Uh, for someone in this, they've got friends that they work mm-hmm. with in, in other companies. Um, you're going to go have dinner with them. You're going to mm-hmm. go on a, a golf day, have a have a lunch or whatever, and you just get chatting, and it's via networking that all of a sudden that opens up a door. You know, you did a good job for Steve over at Apple. Um, Steve at Apple knows Bob at Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And you're going to hang out with Steve and Bob together, and all of a sudden you're in discussions with people at with Bob who knows these guys in yeah. Microsoft who can? Who are the people to talk to? Yeah, yeah. So, like that brings me back around to the sort of where I wanted to go with this is like at a personal level. Yeah, that's a big part of what you do now, right? Is like dealing with this extreme growth and having conversations with people and dealing day to day with people that it, it probably wasn't. You know, people who weren't on your radar mm. two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that experience for you. Like, has that have you have you had a moment where you've been like, wow, fuck, this is a big deal? Yeah, happens all the time. Like, um, I remember, um. You know, having dinner with Bradley last time I was in the U.S., I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's the guy that everyone says is huge. I'd never watched his podcast before. I didn't realize how big he was while I was having dinner with he him. He is the content. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. I can see uh, I can see what's happening here. And, yeah. you know, I've sat down, had lunch with guys that are running $100 million companies pr- pretty regularly. It's mm. like something that happens now. Um, it wouldn't have happened before. And when you do that, you're like, oh, all of a sudden, the the network of the people that you're you're talking to changes. Mm. And um, when you have access to that, those people uh, got to that level of success for certain reasons, Yeah, right? Yeah. Again, same example, obviously good at what they do. That information and that discussion and the conversation that you have is, is very, very different. And that typically rolls over into personal life. Mm. You know, like if all of a sudden you've come from, come from somewhere where, Let's say you're, you're not good with finance. You don't know anything about finance. You don't know how to get a – couldn't afford a home loan. Mm-hmm. You start talking to people that have – that are property investors. Yeah. All of a sudden, they know the things to do. Some of that stops to rub off on you and you figure out how to go get a loan or you go, oh, I need to save up this much money and mm-hmm. I want to buy these investment properties. So from a personal level, having discussions with people that are at high net worths um, are in positions of more power and control and – in general, higher intelligence with certain things, it, it just tends to rub off. It was like they say, you know, you are the sum of the five people you oh, spend sure. time around. Like the, the the conversations you you have with people are, are very different to what the conversations I was having five, five, ten, yeah, 15, 20 years ago when I was a kid. Yeah, know? yeah, for sure. So, and I think that like that's interesting when you, there's people like Bradley's a good example, right? That yeah. you go out like he's a person that you you, you know from the industry. Yeah. He's a person that you know you look and go, oh, that is a he's a successful person for sure. Yep. Um, and quite measurably, you know, like mm. you can say you, he 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 is successful in the space that we're in. Yeah. 
And then when you then go, oh, I'm out to dinner and this isn't like an honor for me, he's a peer. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah, it's like yeah. the, my peer group has changed to be to the point where you then go, oh, I'm one of them now. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like just personally that has to be an interesting journey to to have undergone. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, I kind of get like I go through a, a process mentally where all of a sudden you don't notice any of that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty oblivious to that happening and then it's just like one day you're like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like all this has happened. And then it, it's kind of like a, a game if you, you play games and you, you get to the boss level then all yeah. of a sudden – you level up. Like to me, yeah. it just feels like, ah, nothing happened for six months. And all of a sudden, like there's that one trigger event. You're like, ah, oh, no, I just, I just leveled up. Yeah. Right. It's like, ah, oh, I know all this now. And you don't, for me, it's, it's hard to conceptualize some of the learnings that you've learned mm-hmm. until like some sort of trigger event hits you in the face. You're like, oh, wow. Like we had one the other day. I was like, I now know what needs to happen right. next in terms of, and that's a lot of like, um, understanding corporate finance Mm -hmm. and when i say i don't necessarily mean like a a corporate agent it's just like the word that they use for finance at a high business level is the term is corporate finance right right? that could be like what you do with the capital that you have what you do with the savings do you invest it do you make decisions based on xyz and how you forecast how you predict Mm -hmm. and do all that stuff to say yes to okay well this is a good decision for the business based on how much is it going to cost us? Mm-hmm. What is going to be the return? It's like, should we pick X, X, Z or Y or um, does company over there, does it have value to us? Maybe we should go and buy them. Mm-hmm. That could have utility. So understanding how to manage that and knowing whether or not to, to buy a company is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Knowing whether to hire someone is actually going to be beneficial or are we just hiring them because it seems like a good thing to do, but does it make sense on a... Um, a larger scale of, of achieving something. Have you had many sort of circumstances now where, you know, in the last couple of months, you can, knowing what you know, the structures that are in place now, do you ever look back and be like, oh. Yeah, bad. I got fucked that up. Yeah. Fucked that up, fucked that up. But at the time, I was like, oh, this is, this is perfect. This is the decision. Yeah. Be, well, based on a, a knowledge base. Yeah. Is like, okay, well, everything that I know about this shows that this is the best thing to do, mm-hmm. right? In hindsight, right, you only realize that because you're like, ah, oh, well, three months later, this new piece of information came out mm. that I didn't know existed or I didn't know that this was a thing. Yeah. And the, I think like a lot of people get stuck in a trap of when they look back, they're like, oh, I made this terrible decision. But even some of those mistakes that we made, like you kind of have to make them to learn that stuff. Yeah. And if you look at it from the senses, like I made the best decision with the information I had available, I think that's good enough. Mm-hmm. All right. Would you make the same decision? No. But, you know, you, you don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's one of the interesting things. I had a funny conversation with someone recently about um, school kids complaining about how hard school is. Mm. And as a 39-year-old man, you go like, school's so easy. But it's like, no, as a 39-year-old man, school would be easy. Right? <laughs> but when you're there, it's the greatest challenge you've ever faced. And and the difficulties of interpersonal relationships and you like you're, you're – it is the hardest thing because you haven't done anything hard. Mm. And like so in this perspective of what's going on in the world, it's super easy. But for you, it's not. And so your reality is that it's not. And I think the same happens in business and, and in life in general is that it's really easy to reflect on your decisions of two years ago and yeah. think, oh, I wish I knew what I knew now. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. But you'll do the same in two years again and 100%. you'll look at the decisions of today and be like, what was I thinking? Yeah, yeah. And that's where the, as long as you made the best decision with the inf- like, I'll kick myself and go, oh, you're, you're a dickhead. If it's like, oh, you had access to that information, you just missed it. Yeah. You're like, ah, you probably weren't having a good day that day or, yeah. you know. And that's a different thing, right? Like like to, to have made a bad choice mm. is a different thing to have made the best choice you could. Yeah given yep. the information that you had. Um, and I suppose the the lesson in that is that constant striving to learn more, do more, like yeah. never go stagnant, I suppose. I, I agree. Like I'm, I, I got into um, the fourth ranked MBA in the world, okay, uh, which is ironically here at Sydney. So I'll start that in, I was meant to start a couple of months ago, but I deferred it because we had so much on the plate mm-hmm. that wasn't completed yet. And a lot of it was group assignments. So I was like, oh, I don't want to be that dick that's not going to be there. Yeah. So start that in February. And it's it's so interesting that uh, look at that and look at some of the curriculum. I'm like, oh man, all these people say that university isn't that a great idea. You can start a business without it. But if I knew all that stuff that in that curriculum back to front when we started. Yeah. Um, it, the same with Matt. Like if the level of growth and how quickly things would have would have went, it would have been like absurd to com- by comparison to what it is now. Mm. And um, yeah, it's it, interesting. I nearly did an MBA um, seven years ago, maybe more, yeah. nearly 10 years ago um, while I was in the army. I was going to, mm-hmm. you know, I had an opportunity to have it paid for. I could do mm-hmm. like a long story, but I could do basically whatever I wanted at uni was going to be paid for. And I would still be in the army while I did it. But yeah. then it was like the catch was you'll be out when you're done. And I was like, oh, you know, what should I do? And I'm looking it up. Uh, and I was going to do an MBA. Yeah. And then I sort of realized that it wasn't the right move because I wasn't in the roles. I think that it's like, I, I think that, uh, and, and I've had the same feedback from people who have done an MBA while they're not in business. Yeah. Like, especially from people who are sort of in that sort of military sphere that try and do it while they're in. And then with the idea that you'll get out and go into it is that you, you yeah. often don't have like a very good frame of reference. Absolutely. I think, um, I think the funny thing with MBAs is not many people in business do them. People go into MBAs because they want, like, it's essentially like if you were to be a doctor, you you need to have gone to university to, mm-hmm. to be a doctor. Like, there's, you can't just like, oh, you know what, I'll practice on this person. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't work that way. I don't want a doctor that doesn't have a, a degree. Most people go into an MBA uh, for a career path is to get a job, mm-hmm. right, to get a good job at like a, a consulting firm or like one of the big four, like PwC, Deloitte. Mm-hmm. You know, most people will go into like a banking role with that MBA background so that they're at a level of competency that they're able to get those jobs. Mm-hmm. And most most people that do MBAs don't start their own businesses. You mm-hmm. don't need one to do one. Mm-hmm. It just for those good jobs, like most in the same way that you get an accounting degree, you go out, you, you know, at a good firm, you're probably going to get 100K a year as a starting salary. With an MBA, like if you have an MBA and an accounting degree, you go into one of those accounting roles, you're going to be able to actually use that information to one, no tax, but also advise your client. Mm. Therefore, that starting role now is 150K because you've got the extra thing. So most people don't use it to actually, ah, I'm going to take this knowledge to start a business because I need that to start the business. It's that I want to get a good job and Mm. this is the gateway to getting that job. So why are you doing it? Well, there's one is the education. Uh-huh. Like there is a lot of good information there. Two is the uh, the people doing. Yeah, it. I was gonna say the network that you come from. Yeah, right? like there is going to be a lot of talented people in that, and because it's part time, so I'll do it after work weekends. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I'm not doing like the regular, it'd just be too difficult. So yeah, it's yeah. specifically designed for people in the workplace that have businesses and it's just, they push the curriculum into different areas is for that network. Like I'll probably hire 10 people. Mm, yeah. That's what I was going to um, say. Plus like a lot of those people will have really good business ideas. Yeah. It's like, you know what? I'll come on as a director to your company um, or we'll bring that business into us because you got this great idea, but you got no experience. Well, mm-hmm. we have some, some pretty good experience. So there's, there's an opportunity, yeah. a, a potential for opportunity there. Uh, the, th- the third, third one is again, more of that credibility. Mm-hmm. So going to like getting those larger consult consulting deals, they probably want to see someone that in most cases isn't really covered in tattoos, not really hard edge, yeah. but like with the top, uh, the scope, all that branding, yeah. having someone with those qualifications, um, even just as an introduction point, like if a couple of papers come across your desk, let's say we've spoken to Bob over mm-hmm. at Microsoft and he goes, oh, well, these are the people I've spoken to. We've got sales sniper, we've got client A, client B. Um, here's a list of, you know, people, here's their qualifications. They'll look at that. If someone else has like all those MBAs, it's like, oh, that's the preference because they yeah. have the, the background. Maybe, maybe not. Mm. Right. I like to think it's the same way as interviewing. If your resume is really good, you could be the best candidate, but if you've got a shit resume, then not you're never gonna get the interview. Yeah, you don't get yeah. We need to get in the room with people. Yeah, I get right? it. Right. Yeah. If I can get Marco and Matt in a room with someone like that, they'll get their deal done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that MBA is probably the in. That's the yeah. that's the that's the key that opens the door, and then when you're in there, you're yeah. you're working. And the, the last thing is uh, those universities they want to brag, mm-hmm. say like, oh, we actually have the person that is running the ah, that's, that's come come point, through. Right? Yeah. And when I was weighing it up whether to go into it or not, one I had an interview with the director of the the university, and the question was like, well, for you when you have like all of your, you know, you go to your buddies that are in these big companies and you got all these connections. Like, what is it that you want to brag about to them? Mm. And uh, if I come in and, and crush it and just beat everyone else in your MBA at just being better, um, what does it take for you to then go and talk about our company with those? And then that just opens a whole networking mm-hmm. thing and, and going to those events where, you know, big companies sponsor them. It's like, it's a really good way to, to get leads, I think. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Mate, I know you got a call, so I better wrap it up. Thanks right. everyone for watching. If you made it this far, thanks guys. This episode, uh, we're gonna ha- we're gonna have another one before Matt gets back. So, oh, cool. uh, like, share, comments, all that stuff. See ya. See you guys. Put that coffee down. down. down.